Would you take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to the book of Colossians in chapter 3 this morning? Colossians chapter 3, we're going to return to where we began a study, a little series within a series last week with uh, verses 12 through 14. Every morning, you know, we we get up and we prepare for the day and uh, we make a choice about what type of clothing we're going to wear, don't we? I hope, I hope so. You make a choice about the clothing you're going to wear. We choose what to wear based on what we're going to do that day, right? Uh, yesterday, um, we got up and the guys and I went to um, gather some wood and Ron Bearlocker and, and some of the older guys and I gathered together went to get some wood. And, um, you know, I... This time of year, I'm a shorts kind of person, a shorts and a t-shirt. Typically, you know, you'll catch me in the middle of the week in a shorts and t-shirt. But yesterday, I knew we were going to go out and cut wood. So I put on some old clothes, you know, some jeans and some boots and a t-shirt, you know, right? Um, I prepared for the occasion. And I came home and emptied all the sawdust out of my pockets and everything, you know, and out of my short hair and all that, right? We got uh, dirty because we were prepared for that. We were ready for that. We weren't surprised. You prepare yourself for your day, right? Some of you are so prepared for your day that you think through what you're going to wear the night before. You're sick people, all right? You think through what you're going to wear the night before and lay it out. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm just kidding. That's probably a good thing. I should probably do that more often. Um, But we do give some consideration to what we're going to wear, don't we? And we think through and and plan uh, deliberately putting on some clothing every day. Now, you're at a stage in your life, I'm at a stage in my life, where you don't really think about it so much, but you do deliberately put some clothing on and you choose what you're going to wear each day. And so it is in the believer's life. So it is in the believer's life. We must be deliberate about a few things. And there's some things that Scripture tells us that we need to be deliberate about choosing to put on. And I'm not talking about clothing here, but I'm talking about spiritual clothing. We began talking about that last week putting on some spiritual garments, some garments that reflect the fact that we have Jesus Christ alive within us, living through us. We must be deliberate about putting on appropriate spiritual garments each day. This is something we cannot afford to overlook. We can't just be haphazard about whether or not we choose to put these on every day. Now we're going to look this morning at four types of spiritual garments that we need to put on daily as followers of Christ. And I told you earlier, we're continuing our study from the verses that we began to look at last week in Colossians chapter 3 and starting with verses 12 and going through verse 14. Now our focus this morning is going to be verse 12 and the first four spiritual traits that ought to characterize the believer in Jesus Christ. But I want to read together the first three, the, all three verses, verses 12 through 13. I want you to follow along and I'll read uh, from my Bible, okay? You look at yours and I'll read. Verse 12, put on then... Here's the clothing reference, right? Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And here's the spiritual clothing. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another... Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 
And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now last week we saw how as God's chosen ones, as those who have been made holy by Jesus Christ, those who are beloved by God, we have been the recipients of God's wonderful grace. Have we not? We are God's recipient. We are recipients of God's wonderful, matchless grace. Now, in response to God's grace toward us, in response to how He has generously overlooked our sin and given Jesus Christ on behalf of our sin, in response to God's grace toward us, we ought to reflect the grace that He has shown us. We ought to reflect God's grace to others. Right? As God's people, as God's children, that's what we ought to be all about, reflecting the grace that has been shown us in some small measure, because we can't match the grace that God has shown us, but we can, in some small measure, turn around and reflect the grace of God from our lives to the lives of other people. You see, God's chosen ones will be characterized by how they choose to clothe themselves spiritually. You and I are going to be characterized by how we choose to clothe ourselves spiritually. God's chosen ones will be characterized by their holy living or whether we choose to live holy lives. Now, the first garment that a believer ought to put on is that of compassion. You see that in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassion. We are to be a people of compassion, just like our Heavenly Father is a Father of mercies or compassions. We get that from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now, when we put on the garment of compassion, we reflect our compassionate Heavenly Father, don't we? We reflect the compassion that He's shown us. And we reflect that onto other people. That's the way it ought to be. And we demonstrate the love of Christ toward others that Christ showed us. Right? That's what we ought to be all about as God's people in this world. We ought to be all about showing people the love of Christ that we have enjoyed and we enjoy. Now, in our culture, we often relate our emotions or our feelings to our heart, don't we? We talk about having a, a heart-to-heart talk. Let's have a heart-to-heart talk. Or we talk about my heartaches, or right? We have heartaches, or we have a broken heart. We talk about being kind-hearted or cold-hearted. Now, the Jews considered the emotions being felt in a different area, though, not the heart. They, they considered the, 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 uh, the emotions were from the intestinal area. And so that's why if you have a King James Version in front of you, you'll see that it translates compassion with the phrase bowels of mercies, okay? But when we respond to something, we do that kind of. We, we have uh, some of those responses, don't we, in our, in, our, in our physical makeup. When we respond to something with deeply felt emotion, we often feel it physically, don't we? And so we could say we have, you know, bowels of mercies or bowels of emotions, have you ever felt the uh, the butterflies? You know, they say you get the butterflies in your stomach. You ever felt kind of queasy in a tense situation or something? The butterflies. 
a situation that made you feel anxious and you were, um, you could actually feel it in your stomach, right? Kind of in your gut. Well, that's, I think that's where the, uh, the Jews get that. And that's why we see that in the King James Version. The Jews understood the bowels to be the center of compassion, much like we would understand the heart to describe whether someone is tender-hearted or, or kind-hearted, right? Um, we need to be clothed with compassion. That's the point. Whether it's bowels of mercies or a tender-heartedness, we need to be clothed with compassion, right? Now, you need to understand, too, that you call yourself a follower of Christ. That's not optional equipment. That's not optional clothing. It is not optional for the believer. It is required. Now, we're told to put on. Paul doesn't say in verse 12... He doesn't come to the Colossian believers and say, well, now, um, if you're feeling like it today, um, you can clothe yourself with some compassion today, all right? Or he doesn't say, if, if this is your makeup, you know, if you're kind of a compassionate person, then you make sure you're compassionate. He doesn't qualify it, does he? He says, put on then. And you know how he helps qualify it, what he does do to qualify it? He says, and don't forget you're forgiven by God. And don't forget the compassion that God showed you. And don't forget that you're God's chosen ones. Don't forget that He makes you holy. And He is loving you like no one else can. Don't you forget to clothe yourself with compassion. We need to be clothed with compassion. It's certainly not optional for us as believers. It's required. We're told to put on compassion. Believers are to clothe themselves as intentionally as you clothe yourselves each morning to go about your daily business. We are to clothe ourselves with compassion as followers of Jesus Christ. But there's this natural barrier to that, isn't there? Would you agree with that? That there's this natural barrier to clothing ourselves with compassion? There's this natural barrier to putting on that Christ-like clothing. So clothing yourself with compassion is going to require that you become very deliberate in doing so. I'm just going to challenge you with that. that You need to be very deliberate about clothing yourself with the spiritual clothing of compassion. Actually, that's going to be required of us in many other areas as we go through these lists of spiritual traits that ought to be evident in the life of the believer that Paul lists here in verses 12 through 14, it's going to take deliberate action on our part to put these on. And so as we talk about compassion this morning and kindness and humility and meekness, and next week, Lord willing, as we talk about patience and forbearance and forgiveness and love, which kind of binds it all together, you have to be deliberate in putting those things on in your lives. And not only doing it occasionally, whenever you feel like it, but doing it daily. It's not easy, is it? That does not come naturally. I think that's what Paul has in mind here when he makes the emphasis one of putting on. He knows that it's not a natural thing, and he knows we have to be deliberate and thoughtful about it. So he says, put these things on. Be deliberate about them. And one of the main reasons this needs to be deliberate is that it is not at all natural for us. Now, some of us would look around at other people and say, now that, they're just so compassionate and tender-hearted and kind and loving. And yes, I would say that some people may be more naturally so, but I don't think it, I don't think it comes automatically for anyone. 
Alright? And we need to be deliberate about putting on these spiritual graces in our lives. That's why Paul illustrates the kind of other-centered compassion that we need to put on in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-8. through eight. You can go back to that with me if you want to, just right before Colossians, back up a book. Keep your finger here in Colossians 3 and go back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 for a moment. We need a different kind of thinking, a truly... A truly others-oriented compassion. Because Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-8, through 8, in helping us here, he says, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." Don't forget, you don't do this in your own power. You need the, you need the power of Christ at work within you to do this, alright? This is yours in Christ Jesus. If you're Christ, you have this ability because you have Christ. Who, through, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You want to talk about deliberate compassion? There you have it. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-8, through eight, you have the deliberate, compassionate act of Jesus Christ on our behalf, don't you? And Paul knows that we can't do this on our own terms. He knows that we need the mind of Christ. And so I'm reminding you that you, that you need the mind of Christ to do this effectively and daily put on these, the spiritual clothing, the spiritual attire. In his book, The Grand Weaver, Ravi Zacharias says of of Paul's example, whenever the Apostle Paul writes about having the mind of Christ, his words almost always reference our Lord's sacrifice. In Philippians, he tells us that Jesus denied himself the prerogatives of divine power in order to become as one of us. In Romans, he challenges us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, which is part and parcel of the renewing of our minds. I want you to listen to that Romans passage just for a second. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You realize that as you put on compassion, that's your spiritual worship to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You need the mind of Christ. And I need the mind of Christ. Compassion does not come naturally. Not the Christ-like, other-centered compassion that we ought to be showing to one another in the world in which we live. Believers, followers of Christ this morning, put on then as God's chosen ones, as those He made holy and those He loves, beloved, put on then compassionate hearts. You want to show God how much you love Him? You ever feel like, I just can't tell God how much I love Him. I want to show God how much I love Him. You want to show God how much you love Him? Show His compassion to other people. Show the compassion He showed you and showered on you. Show that kind of compassion to other people. That's how you show God you love Him. 
And to put on compassionate hearts is going to require that you and I get intentional and very deliberate about putting on this kind of spiritual clothing, this clothing, this spiritual clothing of compassion that we ought to be doing daily. And because we are at heart self-centered individuals, we need to make it our aim to put on the mind of Christ, right? And how do we put on the mind of Christ if it's not saturating our hearts with God's Word and then bowing before Him in prayer, asking for the mind of Christ so that we might be Christ-like in the way that we think and act and show compassion to others? We need the mind of Christ, don't we? And we need it for the renewal of our minds and we need to be thinking in a way that we find the Word of God demonstrating to us how we should think as believers, as followers of Christ. And if we're to be compassionate in the way that we treat others, we need to be aware of others, don't we? We can't just be in our own little bubble. We can't just stay in our own little world and say, well, I'm just concerned about my own problems today because today might be the day that God wants you to show compassion to someone else. If we're so self-absorbed and caught up in our own self-interest that we can't even bear to think about the problems and needs of others, it's going to be hard for us to show compassion, isn't it? That's another example of our need for the mind of Christ, who, as Philippians 2.8 says, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How's that for compassion? You know, Perhaps, you know, as you go into your day and you go through your week, you do notice the needs of others. But you, you struggle with this. You tend to look the other way when you see the need, right? You, you decide, to, well, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to pay attention to that because I've got other concerns of my own to deal with right now. I'm reminded of the story of when William McKinley was president of the United States. He had to make a very important decision about the appointment of an ambassador to a foreign country. And when it came time to appoint an ambassador, he had two individuals who were equally qualified, and he went back in time and was thinking about these individuals in a time in his mind when, when he was still a congressman, and he was on a streetcar, and this other individual got on and was uh, on, on the streetcar with him, and as they made a stop, an elderly lady got on with a basket of clothing, and she struggled on, and William McKinley had gotten on right before her and had taken the last seat, and she struggled past him and went to the end of the streetcar and stood by a man who was one of these men that he was, at this point, was going to be considering for an appointment as an ambassador. Back when he was a congressman, this man sat on the bus and sat on the streetcar, and this lady wandered up and stood there, looked around, no seat to sit in, so she stood there struggling with her laundry basket in the the swaying streetcar and stumbled, you know, as you do if you don't have anything to hold on to. William McKinley says he remembers seeing the man kind of raise his newspaper and, you know, between him and the lady so he could make sure that he didn't see her, right? As if he didn't see her there. McKinley got up and took the lady's laundry basket and let her have his seat, but he remembered that man's actions when it came time to appoint someone to this role in government. He chose the other man. You know, are there times in, in your life when you respond to the needs of others by choosing to ignore them? I think we've probably all done that at times, haven't we? It's easier sometimes, isn't it? We say, well, I'll just, uh, I got my own difficulties. We act like we don't see them, right? We act like we don't see the need. 
Aren't there times when you see a need and think, well, you know, that, that's their problem. Better them than me. I, I got my own problems to deal with. We have the what we could call the Cain syndrome, don't we? Uh, Lord, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, come on here. You know, he's to take care of himself, provide for his own needs. Am I my brother's keeper? But be careful we don't get the Cain syndrome. Now, let's face it. We are self-centered individuals, aren't we? By nature, we are self-centered individuals. How often do you quickly think of your rights above others? How often do I quickly think of my rights above others? How often when someone does something that displeases you, are you quick to think of how they wronged you rather than maybe the difficulties they're facing that might have contributed to their treatment of you? Not that their treatment of you was right but, or, or even excused, but there could be effects and factors in their lives that are going on that may have encouraged them to treat you as they have. I'll never forget a time many years ago when I was an assistant pastor having the responsibility of leading an evening worship service while the pastor was out of town on vacation. And in the evening service that day, we had a missionary visiting from the mission field, and I remember him going a bit overtime, right? Kind of a little bit past the top of the hour, a little bit longer than our typical evening service. And in the midst of this missionary sharing his heart about his passion for the country where God had placed him to minister, having come many miles to share, had gone a bit over time. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, you know, he's come a long way. Let's listen. Let's not worry about the hour, right? We may not see him again for a long time. In the midst of that, a fellow, a church member, leaned forward and put his hand on my shoulder and whispered in my ear and said, Are you going to let him go on all night? And I was a bit flabbergasted and a little embarrassed, and I didn't answer the man, and I acted like I didn't hear him. Although I couldn't ignore him, certainly. I had heard him, and he knew it. I didn't interrupt the missionary, and I didn't say anything to the man who had said that to me, but it bothered me. And it bothered me. I, when the pastor came back from his vacation, I told him about the situation, and I was kind of incensed that this man was so spiritually immature that he couldn't sit and listen to a missionary who was going a little 15 minutes overtime, right? I tried to put it in pleasant terms, but I expressed my displeasure with this man's attitude and wondered how I should have responded since I didn't say anything and since I didn't interrupt the missionary. I wondered how I should have responded, hoping maybe, you know, kind of down deep, my pastor would say, well, you should talk to him and tell him that he was out of line. But he didn't. I was challenged by his compassionate heart. He said, you know, I... um, I'm aware of some several health issues that he has, and I'm wondering if in the midst of that service he was embarrassed that he might have to get up and leave and draw attention to himself because he's got health concerns of his own that might have kept him from sitting too long. So I'm sure that's probably what he had on his mind when he asked if you were going to let him go on all night. And how ashamed I was that I didn't think first of that man's needs. I was ashamed that my initial reaction was not one of compassion for that man, but was one of striking out and thinking, uh, how dare you? You know, Who are you to interrupt this missionary? Oh, the Lord knows his heart. But what challenged me at that time was a, 
was exactly what I think Paul is saying here, and it's exactly why Paul says that we need to put on then as God's chosen ones, as those that are holy and beloved by God, we need to put on compassionate hearts. We need to make sure that we think of others first. He knows it's not natural. Paul knows it's not natural for us to show compassion. He knows we aren't inclined to show compassion toward others without reminding us and giving us a good reason. And so he does. He says, look, basically Paul says, look, put on compassion toward others. Put on that compassion. And don't forget, chosen one, don't forget you who enjoy God's compassion and forgiveness. Don't forget, chosen one. And don't forget He made you holy. And He makes you acceptable. You can't do that yourself. And don't forget, beloved one. Don't forget what God has done for you. And so Paul says, don't you ever forget that God didn't have to choose you. He doesn't have to show you His mercy and grace, but He loves you, so, so love others. And show them the compassion that God has showed on, showed you. Show them God's compassion. And while you're at it, Paul says, looking at verse 12 again, show them kindness. He says elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How do you like that? There's another reminder from Paul. He says, don't forget, Christ forgave you. You better forgive others. And Paul knows we need it. We need this reminder, don't we? We have, we have another reminder here. Don't forget, be kind to one another. Don't forget, God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And that's not all. Let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and following where Paul reminds us to put on kindness toward others because God in Christ Jesus has shown you and me the ultimate kindness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... I'm so thankful God is rich in mercy, aren't you? Because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hint, hint, right? And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the undeserving beneficiaries of the immeasurable riches of God's grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are now given the opportunity to show in some small way, and small I say because we could never match the depths of God's mercy and kindness toward us, we are now given the opportunity in this life to show in some small way kindness toward others. When we feel compassion toward others, it helps us to treat them with kindness. So put on compassion. Clothe yourselves with a spiritual garment of compassion and let that drive you to be kind to them. 
Kindness and compassion are closely related. Kindness is putting action to the compassion that we feel. So put action to your compassion. That's a neat little phrase. Say that three times fast, right? Put action behind your compassion and be kind. If we feel compassion for someone but never act on it, you know that you can feel compassion for someone. You can oh, I feel so sorry for them or I feel so badly for them or I, so, I feel so compassionate toward them that they have this need I'd like to help meet. But maybe some other day. What good is your compassion? You see, kindness is putting action to the compassion that we feel. And when we have compassion for someone and treat them with kindness, it is helpful to them, isn't it? How many of you have been the beneficiaries of kindness? We ought to all be able to put our hands up, right? We've all been the beneficiaries of someone's kindness. And if not someone here on earth... You're the beneficiary. If you will trust in Jesus Christ with your life and confess your sin, you'll be the beneficiary of the kindness of God toward you. We aren't just feeling when we act on our compassion. We're actually doing something. A British statesman, statesman and financier Cecil Rhodes whose uh, fortune was used to endow the world-famous Rhodes Scholarships, is said of him that he was a stickler for correct dress, uh, but apparently not at the expense of someone else's feelings because there was a time when a young man was invited to dine with the Rhodes. And when he arrived on uh, by train, he got off the train and he didn't have time to change out of his travel-stained clothing. And he arrived at this this uh, banquet kind of out of place when he looked around and saw everyone else was there in full dress. He was quite appalled. And after what seemed a long time, Rhodes appeared. And, and Rhodes was wearing a shabby blue suit. This man who was a stickler for dress was wearing this shabby blue suit. And later the young man learned that the host had been dressed in his evening fine clothing, but when heard of the young man in his natty attire, had gone and put on his worn blue suit so that the young man wouldn't feel out of place. That's kindness, isn't it? That's kindness. Alexander McLaren says, kindness makes a person attractive. Would you agree with that? Kindness makes a person attractive. If you would win the world... Melt it. Don't hammer it. I think that's good advice. You see, kindness and compassion toward others makes not only makes us more attractive, but I'll tell you what, as followers of Christ, kindness and compassion toward others makes Christ attractive. And that's the point, isn't it? But I want you to note what this showing of compassion and kindness toward others will require of us, because it does require of us something Again, Paul was pegging human nature here. He knew human nature. It's going to take humility and meekness, says Paul. Look at verse 12 again. We're to put on the spiritual clothing of Christ-like humility and meekness. Warren Wearsby notes that the pagan world of Paul's day did not admire humility. Instead, they admired pride and domination. (laughs) Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The world in which we live doesn't think much of humility, does it? Instead, the world in which we live promotes the person who promotes himself. 
Humility is when we have a proper view of self, isn't it? If we're prideful, if we're conceited, if we're filled with love for self, and we're always looking out for number one, we're not going to be very concerned about others, are we? We're not going to be compassionate and kind to others, but it's when we are clothed with the spiritual clothing of humility and meekness and understand that we aren't better than anyone else, that we're able to look at others with compassion. When we're clothed with humility, we'll take time to notice others and we'll treat them with kindness. MacArthur says, Do you know what meek really means here? The rendering of the word means this, a willingness to suffer injury rather than inflict it. If somebody is going to get hurt in this deal, let it be me. If somebody has to suffer here, let it be me. You can see the essence of humility in that, can't you? If somebody has to lose, let it be me. Oh, I'll tell you what, if that's the definition of meekness, that's a hard one to measure up to, isn't it? I was thinking about it. You know, when it comes time for uh, Michigan and Ohio State to play, for me to say, let Michigan win. If somebody has to lose, let it be my team. That's going to be really hard, right? You get the idea of how hard it is to be meek? James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. There's wisdom and meekness. As Christ put on humility and meekness and wisdom, clothe yourselves in the same way. Clothe yourselves with humility and meekness. Be quick to put others first. Be intentional in making compassion and kindness and humility and meekness toward others your daily spiritual clothing. Be intentional about it. And I would just give you this little seed thought as you get dressed every morning. Think through and pray through. God, help me to clothe myself spiritually too, would you? As you face each day, as you clothe yourself each morning, remember the humility and meekness demonstrated by Christ as He climbed Golgotha for you and for me. Think about how He clothed Himself with humility and meekness climbing Golgotha carrying the cross that He would be sacrificed on. Bearing that cross on which He would show His compassion and kindness for God's chosen ones, whom by His sacrifice He made holy, don't forget, and beloved. Remember His humility Remember His meekness and clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness that is Christ-like toward others and do so because God has shown you His boundless love. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning humbled. If we aren't humble... Lord, help us to be humble in spirit now as we think about Jesus' sacrifice for us. And You're choosing us as Your own in spite of our sinfulness. 
So Lord, my prayer is this, and I pray that this is the prayer of your people this morning, that we would put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Lord, help us to be a compassionate people. Help us to have compassionate hearts. Help us to be kind to one another and to the world that we live in. Lord, help us to do so with humility and meekness. Lord, please give us your strength and your wisdom for this, because we cannot do this in our own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.